Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, as you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvest of Nature's Wild Fishing Game Podcast. you got your host here, Justin Townsend. And uh, tonight we're having a, an awesome crew chat. Uh, we've got uh, both Ara and Brad with us who haven't haven't been on in a while. But uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're excited to have them on. Um, I think first things first, we'll go ahead and, and do some news and updates. Uh, We'll give everybody sort of the chance to to chat and give some updates on what's going on in their part of the world. Uh, for me, we are literally on the verge of elk season, so uh, it, it's just a uh, it's just moments before I can smell the sweet sweet mountain air. It's just in the distance. I can see the mountains, but I haven't made it there yet. But uh, no, it's happening here pretty soon. I'm I'm very excited about it. Uh, outside of that, doing a bit of traveling and then coming back for some backpacking with. Uh, AJ and Ben, so excited for that, but um, nice. got my cooking class coming up tomorrow, uh, which I'm pretty stoked about, so I'm doing uh, some Venison Heart, a Venison Heart Breakdown over in our Harvesting Nature Supper Club, you can go hit that up, uh, there's a link in the show notes there, and actually Ara, uh, be, be sure to mention your class and what's going on there, because I think subsequently this will release the the week uh, preceding your class, so it'll be some good time to get some promo in for that. Uh, I got my class coming up. We're going to be doing uh, venison uh, ricotta meatballs with tagliatelle alfredo, so that'll be coming up, I believe uh, it will be the 24th, sorry, the 28th, Tuesday the 28th, so uh, be sure to check in for that one. We're going to have a lot of fun, so 
keep you posted. That one sounds like a good one, too. And what was it? Uh, your last class went over pretty well also. Yeah, the last class was super fun. Um, you know, we it was it was the start of a new thing, and and I mean honestly, we had a, we had really good feedback. Everyone seems to have fun at the classes, so mm-hmm. it's quick, it's easy, and it's it's very interactive. So if you ever if you haven't done it yet, you should jump on and you know check them out. All of the classes seem to be going really well. Absolutely, and fun fact is that if you were, are not available to uh, go and participate in a class actively or watch a class. Um, you can go back and purchase the videos on demand. So we have them available. They're the same price as the class. You don't get the interaction, but you can still get the step-by-step instruction and everything like that. And once you purchase it, you have it uh, forever. So you always have access to it. And also, if you sign up for a class and you attend a class, you have access to the on-demand footage so you can go back. But also, if you sign up for a class are unable to make it, you still have access to those those footage. So we, we always leave that open so that there's an avenue for for learning, which is great. So uh, other than that, Ara, what, what have you been up to? You know what? Um, we went out uh, deer hunting uh, several weeks ago for our deer opener. Uh, we got on deer uh, two days, but we had some, again, we had some new hunters with us, uh, blew some good stocks about mm-hmm. uh, two to three times, uh, but one of our buddies got a shot off, and he just he flat out missed on a nice three by three, but we positioned it right. I mean, it's it's kind of, when you have new hunters out there, it's a little difficult, uh, but we had a team. We were, we were literally six people, and six people had tags, so we, we got in great position and moved the deer, this herd, to where we needed him. We got one shot off. It was a miss, and so that wasn't a successful hunt but it was a great four nights out um we were actually able to cook, uh, film a cooking video while we were out there oh too, nice kind of funny <laughs> that's awesome halfway halfway yeah halfway through camp i was like hey let's we got a full setup so i was like let's do a cooking video so um we did a a, a deer camp kind of cooking video and then uh, i have another hunt actually we're going out locally on uh sunday but just like a day hunt uh we have a spot not far from us that uh, there's a uh, bear and uh, deer, so oh, nice. we'll see how that goes Sunday. A quick day hunt. Uh, that's 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 been uh, what's on the realm so far. <laughs> awesome, awesome. How long is the bear season there in California? I forget. Um, it goes through uh, archery in general season, so you have like two months, two months, two okay. and a half months. So. So August, I want to say August, and it ends uh, November, I believe. Ah, nice. I was trying to think if I could, uh, so my mom lives in Big Bear Lake. I was trying to oh. think if I could make it out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we might have to plan something for next year. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I basically grew up in a Big Bear. Like, we, we had family, I mean, both sides, my mom's side and dad's side, both had timeshare there, oddly enough. So we were always there, like, every other oh, nice. weekend or every weekend. So I know that place took the back of my hand. And then we snowboard there a lot, too. So yeah, yeah. Always. In, it, it's about an hour and 45 minutes from here. Perfect. Awesome. Love love me the Big Bear. Yeah, yeah. All right, Colin, what do you got? All right, a couple things. And, by the way, I'm Colin. Um I got my I got my uh, nutrient meat back and the pelt from the taxidermist, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I ended up 
just quartering the nutria and keeping the front legs and the back legs. It had some had some odd looking white stringy things along the meat on the underside and considering this is a uh invasive water rat, I didn't really want to test it out this time around. So uh I just kept the back legs and the front legs and I made some homemade sauerkraut last week, so I'm thinking I'm gonna go with the whole uh kind of pork and sauerkraut twist with nutrient sauerkraut. It looks a lot like pork and it Ooh. feels a lot like pork. So I feel like it should wow. probably go well. But uh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let nice. you know how it goes. <laughs> and uh, awesome. and the pelt turned it. out awesome. What's that, R? I've never I've never had it. I've never had it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know people eat that. Neither have I. That's awesome. I'm into it. Talking to Justin, <laughs> uh, I guess there's a lot of Cajun influence uh, recipes for him because they're all over mm-hmm. the American South, uh, including all the way up in the Chesapeake. I think I forgot to mention that a couple of times I've uh, talked about him. And then this little pocket of Northwest Oregon where I am. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it turns out. Wow. Hopefully I'm going to slow cook it for a long time so anything nasty in there gets burnt out. But yeah, man. So, Colin, did you say you got that nutria in Oregon? I did. Yeah, on a local wow. farm here. Uh, it's actually, it's a, a duck hunting farm. Like they, they're, they mostly advertise for duck hunters and goose hunters to go out there. But I called them up and I seen nutria out there before, and I said, uh, "Hey, do you have any nutria problems? Can I come out there?" And he said, "Yeah, whenever. If you don't even need to call me about it, just show up." Oh, wow. man, that's awesome. I thought you were going to say you hunted that in Florida with Justin. No, no, it's uh, yeah, that's what I thought. It's right right down the road, <laughs> 10 minutes down the road. And yeah, it's it's pretty nice. It's I say it's like Oregon's uh, feral hog almost because we don't have feral hogs this year, so we've got we to gotta find something else. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I did discover, Colin, as I was uh, perusing the small game manual here in Cal- uh, Colorado the other day, that uh, uh, they have a season for marmot. Yeah. I Which saw um, a, uh, Gabby Zaldumbide just posted. She just got a marmot and she made something with it. From interesting, from I didn't see that post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to go back and check that out. But yeah, it, it's as I read it, it's a close relative of the woodchuck. Yeah. So yeah, um, I've, they, I've only seen marmot out here. We we climb Whitney, uh-huh, and uh-huh. at the top area, that's all you see. But like, that's the only place around here we've ever seen them. Yeah. I, I guess in the Go ahead. in the fall they they get kind of little little chunky, they get a little fat on them to so prepare yeah. them for the winter. So I wonder I wonder how that's going to go. We'll see. I'm going to try to find one. I can't think Why of not? marmot without thinking of the scene from Big Lebowski where he's in the bathtub and <laughs> the nihilists come in and throw the marmot in. He's like nice marmot. <laughs> I can't think of anything else when I hear marmot, so <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad to know they might be good eating too. Um, we'll see. We'll test that theory. Yeah. Uh, moving on, I did a pheasant hunt with ODFW. Uh, it was an ODFW workshop last week, which is pretty awesome. I have an article coming out about it next week. Uh, my group is actually the only group that didn't get anything. I think our dog handler is uh, he's pretty bummed out about it. He was a little apologetic. He felt kind of bad. Uh, he said he personally stocked nine birds in that field. Uh, but I did see a coyote running around towards the end, and I'm pretty sure he either took some down or scared him off. Um, but I did help another guy clean one of his two that he got, and he said, yeah, feel free to take it. He's like, I don't need it. So I do still have a full, oh, nice. uh, whole, a awesome. whole pheasant in my freezer right now, which I'm pretty pumped about. 
Uh, so fully plucked? Great. It's fully plucked, yeah. They, they took us all the way through, like, how to clean it and everything. Uh, so not plucked, it's skinned. So they taught us this way to, like, whole skin it. Um, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I learned a, learned a little trick or two for cleaning birds like that, that size. Um, so it was good. That's cool. Uh, goose, September Goose started this week. Uh, went out with a couple buddies from work. We ended up getting 12 geese over opening weekend. Um, saved all the meat from it, and then the goose livers, the hearts, and the gizzards. And I borrowed a friend's dehydrator, turned the livers into dog treats, which my dog loves. And I think I'm going to do something similar with hearts, but in a marinade, and make little, like, ring dehydrated goose heart snacks. Um, Ooh, yeah. Who wait for you or the good. dog? Oh, those will be for me. <laughs> those dog. will be for me. The livers are for the dog. <laughs> yeah. You can have all the, uh, the hearts are going to be for me. And then uh, we've been talking about gizzards, so I'm going to figure out something to do with gizzards. Hopefully, Brad and Ara have some uh, some tips for those too, because they're like a baseball. They're huge. Yeah. Uh, and I also need yeah. to get my own dehydrator. Um, early early control deer season is this week too. I haven't been able to go out yet this week just because of work, but tomorrow night. Saturday and Sunday, I'm pretty much going to be out there looking for any early deer that are coming by. And uh, I'm really, really happy with ODFW's R3 movement, Uh, not only through the workshops that they're putting on, but uh, they had had their own podcast series, and they just had a recent podcast on blacktail hunting, and they had two blacktail research scientists on to talk about, like, their habits, where they are, where you can find them. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool that they have that on there, and they're really promoting people to get out there and and uh, take a deer. So that's this weekend's plan. Nice. nice. Yeah. So blacktail. Blacktail. Yep. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, Colin, you get that figured out and give me a call. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to come down. That, and hunt black that's uh, one of the main points of their podcast is uh, Ghost of the Pacific because they're just, I mean, you see all mm-hmm. the sign for them. I went scouting for them uh, a couple weeks ago. Saw all the beds, saw all the tracks and everything. Uh, I even put out some trail cameras and uh, had a couple of does come by on my trail cameras. But once you're out there, they just disappear. So, wow. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll get lucky. But, hmm. Yeah, Brad. Well, good luck. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Perfect segue, Brad. What, uh, what, what have you been up to? Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here. Um, so Washington's upland bird season started on the 1st. Uh, usually September 1st is uh, the forest grouse and dove season opener. Uh, this year, WDFW decided to shift the season to uh, two weeks later. So it'll, it actually started yesterday for forest grouse. And uh, the, now it runs into the middle of January, which is which is nice. Uh, part of the rationale for that was to, I, I believe it was to um, give some of the hens a little bit longer before they get hunted. Uh, mm. Basically, you know, try to protect the population just a little bit. So obviously I haven't gotten out for forest grouse yet, but I've been chasing uh, chasing dove quite a bit, and, and it's just been an odd year. Uh, the first weekend I went out, I, I had a fairly good hunt. There's a, a little farm tucked back in a deep river canyon that had canola planted on about 20 acres, and it was a really good spot. Uh, me and a buddy got a couple of birds, and, and I haven't been back yet, but I'm planning to go back this weekend again. Uh, I was going to guide a youth pheasant hunt this weekend because this coming up is the uh, the youth a couple of days early pheasant hunt because the general season doesn't open until I think October 23rd this year 
But it, I think we're looking at a half inch of rain coming up Saturday, and those those youth that were going to go out are, are bailing on that, I believe. So I'll have to squeeze in something else, uh, probably probably chase some grouse because rain seems to be a good time to run grouse out here. Oh, nice. I have uh, a handful of. Well, a handful. I have one. I have Washington. You get one general deer tag, and and they also they allow a um, a draw for what's called multi-season tag. So here you usually have to pick a weapon, and that's the one tag you get. Uh, you put in for a draw for the multi-season. You still get one deer tag, but you can hunt uh, archery, rifle, and muzzleloader. And I haven't hunted archery in several years, and I've I've really you know got into a focus on upland birds, and so I. Every now and again, I take out the muzzleloader or take out the rifle and try to get a you know a deer in the freezer. And wouldn't you know, yesterday morning, uh, so I'm, I'm teleworking down here in my basement, and my wife has a, a an office and a studio on the first floor, and she texts me. She says, "Get up here. You're going to want to see these mule deer." And so I come upstairs, and there's this really really nice mule deer buck just hanging out wow. right outside. You know, I've got a kiddie pool wow. that I keep full of water. And this dude came in with a one of the doe and fawn regulars on a little fork horn, and I'm like, holy smokes! You know, and it's like, oh, if, if I'd have been shooting my bow. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was kind of cool. Yeah, man, he was he was gorgeous, you know. And one of those deer, the mule deer, are so susceptible to um, to gun seasons out here. I hope that guy makes it because you know we. To see a nice three-point like that is kind of rare because three-point's the minimum. So four-corns mm-hmm. are running around all over the place. You know, but seeing a buck like that was pretty sweet. And then um, that next the next year they get taken out first round. They're like, done. Yeah, man, as soon as they get that third point. You know, funny story. I'm sorry to, to segue again, but when I first bought this property, it was like 2016, and that fall I had a, 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 a three-by-four mule deer on the property that was – it couldn't have been a year-old buck. You know, it was a young buck, and he would sleep in the yard, and, I'd, like, I would be out there shooting my bow, and I would toss him carrots and stuff. He was a buddy of mine. <laughs> he was wow. really cool. He had these stickers and just this crazy little rack on him, and I ran a guy out of my yard literally trying to kill that deer with a bow in September. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it gets pretty competitive out here. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine. Yeah, but other than uh, other than trying to to put some birds in the freezer and and getting the dogs out running, I've got a, a buddy from Oregon who's coming up next week for the senior hunt. He's going to come up the 23rd and 24th, and we're going to chase pheasants for the senior week there. And then the muzzleloader season opens on uh, next Saturday on the 25th, so I'm probably going to take the muzzleloader for a walk. There's a new piece of property on the Snake River that opened up to the public this year, and I've been licking my chops looking at that thing, you know, for chucker and for mule deer for mm-hmm. years and spotted it on Onyx this year. I was like, whoa, there's another several hundred acres we're going to go check out, you know, right up to the river breaks. So yeah. that would be sweet. And, now, uh, do, you guys, do you guys get much, uh, do you get any whitetail up that way? Yeah, so where I'm at, I'm out in the in the middle of wheat country, so I'm I'm kind of far back off of the river, but we get a lot of of mixed whitetail and mule deer here. Mm-hmm. Most of the uh, the heavy cover draw bottoms are full of whitetails, and there are some astounding whitetail bucks out here. I was shocked when I first moved here about a decade ago. You know, a buck that I thought was big in Virginia was one of these average little four by fours in in Washington, and you know, partially because the the, the bucks have really dense cover that they get mm-hmm. smart and they hang out in and the seasons are short because there are a lot of hunters in Washington. And so I'm, it's just, you know, what I call a good buck now is truly a good buck. Cause you just, 
you see dime a dozen, three by three, four by four. And when you wow. start getting into those whitetails that are 24 inches wide and five-point racks, you know, five yeah. by fives, and just really heavy big bucks, and it's pretty amazing. I just it's started crazy. into whitetail, actually. I'm headed up to Indiana next month to go uh, whitetail for my second time. Uh, beginning of October, I think it's October 5th we're headed out there. So I'm new to this whitetail game. It's a little different than the muleys we have out here. Yeah, <laughs> yep. definitely is. But, but man, I, I love whitetail. I always have. Like I, I grew up. That's you know, I grew up hunting whitetail. We had mule deer in some parts of Oklahoma, but not not where I was at. And man, I just, I think the meat's phenomenal. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love mule deer meat as well. But whitetail meats, just, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had it a handful of times. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just different. It's a different hunt. It's so different. <laughs> well, it is, and and. Coming from uh, Virginia, when I hunted most of my whitetail in in the mountains with uh, you know oak and other hardwoods, mm-hmm. from eating a lot of the acorns, they had a lot of tannins in the meat, and so there was there was a distinct whitetail flavor back in Appalachia. But out here, 99% of the deer that I hunt are you know around the farmland, so they are mm-hmm. they're grazed on a lot of wheat and canola and other grains. And I think uh, some of the deer that I've taken out here are probably the the best table fare. It, that you can wow. get for for venison. Yeah, like yeah, the diet plays so much, and I love it. Colin, our um, are our tags is it mule deer? We have one mule mule deer and white tail. Right? Uh, I gotta double check. I think it's for any deer, but okay. we're, it's going to be mule deer where we are. I don't think we're going to be well unless unless we go out to the plains, then we might see white tail. Well, we we will be up. That zone's up in the the northeast part of the state, so that's like okay. you're it's yeah. budding up to Kansas and Nebraska. Like that's that's the eastern plains. So yeah, those like those river bottoms and watersheds hold those whitetails pretty tight. Yeah, but I'm pretty but, sure yeah, it's for any deer. It just it doesn't specify mule deer or whitetail. It's good to know. And then we have a late season whitetail or yeah, late season whitetail season here as well that's more like I think the southeast part of the state on the plains but uh yeah should be interesting yeah but, uh, I don't know people so when I'm up in Wyoming like people complain uh you know everybody complains about the whitetail mule deer mix off and on but people it was funny because we were up hunting mule deer and uh, they're like, what are you going to do with that mule deer? I was like, I'm going to eat it. They're like, why? Like, just why don't you get you one of those whitetails? I was like, well, I got a mule deer tag, so I'm going to take this mule deer. They're like, oh, tastes like sage. And I was like, whatever. Hey, that's a good yeah, thing, that's why though. you pair it yeah. with sage. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Less seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> right. Naturally flavored. <laughs> The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. 
The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. All right, well, so let's move, uh, let's move in. So, uh, those are listening, we're going to, uh, so the, the focus of this kind of podcast episode is that, uh, we're right in, in the midst of dove season for the majority of the United States. So, uh, I thought it was a great time to talk a little bit about dove. If you recall recently, we had a great, uh, waterfowl episode where we talked about, um, cooking duck and geese and all those fun things. And, uh, so this time we're going to give a give a love to uh, the gray feathered mini missiles known as Dove. Um, I do have a up. yeah. <laughs> I do have a game we want to play, and I'm trying to think. Uh, does it, I'll give you guys the opportunity. Does anybody want to be the judge? Does anybody want out? <laughs> yeah, on, I'll, I'll judge. All right, Brad. Brad's the judge oh, then. <laughs> Colin, you have to play. All right. you, you were talking smack earlier about yeah, our about waterfowl game. So this is... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we're what we're going to do in this game, so the winner of this game uh, is going to get a flying pheasant shirt. Uh, so those are over on the Harvesting Nature website. It's a great little graphic uh, that I did of basically like a flushing pheasant. Uh, but it's cool. Uh, Colin, I think you, you recently snagged one. Yeah. I, I don't so know. I'm ready. I'm ready now. You ready? Yeah, you're ready. So I'm ready. I'm ready. You I'm can, ready you to can, get one. You can either keep the shirt or you can uh, you can give it away to someone. It doesn't have to be someone okay. on the show, and you don't have to tell me now. So you can just you can yeah. just text me or email me later. Um, Perfect. So this uh, this sound, I'll play it first so that you can hear it. Um, what are, what's, what's the premise of the game? Yeah, All right. So the premise play? of the game is we're gonna do uh we're gonna do an elimination, and we're gonna pair off, and uh, we're gonna do a dove sound, right? And then Brad's gonna judge the winner out of the two, and then we'll go to the final round, and then whoever has the best dove coup will go on to win. Oh, we have to do the dove coup. Like we have to. to yeah, you have to <laughs> do it. All right. You have to we, do it. We have to do it. But I have a yeah. We have to do it. But I have a point uh, of reference. Okay. okay. So am I judging who gets it right first? <laughs> yeah. So well, we're okay. gonna we're gonna go. All right. So here's the way it'll work. So let's go. I'll go against Colin first. Okay. And then I'll give you our uh, I'll give you the buy. And so okay. the winner out of this mine and Colin's round will go on to compete against you, and then the winner out of that will take it. Sick. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll play, I'll play the coup now, before the round. We can each make the sound. I'll play the coup again, and then Brad can tell us which one he thinks is is the the closest. All right. All right. You ready, Colin? Yeah, I was practicing <laughs> with my mic off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna let me make sure my phone's up here. I want to play the sound. All right. Did you hear it? Yeah. You want to go first or second? Uh, I want to go second. 
Okay. Dang. All right. I'll do it. All right. That's that. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll play it again. And then we'll get the final we'll get the final word. What do you think, Brad? I'm gonna have to go with Colin. Ah. Oh yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> can't, right. can't wait to listen to this episode. <laughs> yes. Alright. So I'll play it again since we're this is a new round now. So now we got R versus Colin here. Alright. Listen close. Got it? Alright. So, Colin, since you won the last round, you get to go first. Some folks swear by morning dove calls, and and uh, I've got a buddy who's good at making hand coos, and and he tries them on collared doves when we hunt them, mm. and it seems to work. Now, is there is there any variation in in between the calls of of the difference between like morning doves or collared dove, or like what are the the Eurasian doves? Yeah, the Eurasian dove has a a little bit different call than the morning dove. It's it's kind of the same number of syllables, but it's not as um, Melodic as the, mm. uh, the morning dove. It's more raspy and more like, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Well, that's good to know. I've never personally used calls, like I mentioned, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's a theory to test out. Um, obviously, I won't be doing it with my mouth. I'll probably do it with a call because I lost this contest. But uh, <laughs> you're gonna try, are you going to try it next time, Ara, when you're out? I don't know. Maybe I never even thought about calling him in, but since since I'm the winner now, I know that if it's yeah. the three of us, I might have the best call. So we have a, <laughs> a, a chances are, <laughs> we all go hunting. You're calling the yeah, dove. Yeah, I'm calling the dove in. Here, I um, I speak with them. I pulled up a uh, collar dove song. If you guys want to hear it, see if it works. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. yeah. All 
that sound about right? Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Justin, yeah. you should be hearing that down where you're at. Yeah, I've seen them. Uh, I've seen a ton of them out. That that's from Everywhere. Audubon, so they're a pretty reputable source for birds. Um, you know what? I've heard that call in my backyard, but I thought it was an owl. Now I'm wondering if it was a collared dove. I've seen collared doves here, and I mean I know there are owls back there. There's a definitely barred owls back there, but hmm. yeah, interesting. Might be cool. Instead. Well, it's good to know too. I didn't really know until I started looking to the sounds for this game that there was a little bit of a difference, and I was like, oh, wow, I don't know how. All right, we'll figure this out. Um, maybe I find myself closer to the uh, the collar dove than the morning dove in my calling. <laughs> it's a little, a little easier. A little more raspy. <laughs> um, less melodic. <laughs> less melodic. But uh, so I started off our waterfowl episode with a couple little facts, which uh, this is more specific to morning doves. But uh, they're one of the most abundant and widely distributed uh, birds in North America, and their fall population was recently estimated to be 350 million, which is a lot. And uh, the reason call them gray feathered mini missiles is their speed can reach up to 55 miles an hour, which is pretty incredible, uh, and. They primarily eat seeds, uh, and they consume 12 to 20% of their body weight daily, which is insane. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they can survive for decades. One of the oldest ones was a male banded uh, in Georgia. It, uh, it was born in Georgia in ni- or no, it was banded in Georgia in 1968 and shot in Florida in 1998 at the age of 30 years and four months. How do you think wow, that bird tasted? That's impressive. A thirty-year-old bird. <laughs> Boot leather. <laughs> a little tough. <laughs> that bird, flying that bird's a seen tough. things. He's flying a little slower <laughs> yeah, than the rest. Right. That's why he got taken down. <laughs> yeah, seriously. When was uh? I'm trying to think when the Cuban Missile Crisis was. Was that '62? No. Uh, I don't know. Either way. Somewhere in the early '60s before JFK died. Yeah, you almost. It, could have seen the end of the Vietnam War and the beginning 62, of the Internet. Yeah, exactly. 62. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, with those fun facts out of the way, because I think those are cool. I always like those little tidbits. But, uh, Brad, you recently penned an article uh, titled Morning Smoke. Not morning is the time of day, but morning is in the doves. You want to tell us about uh, about your article and a little bit about your adventure there? Yeah, that was a pretty good time. That was last fall, uh, last September, and uh, the whole thing came about as an accident. You know, I had planned to go hunt sage grouse in, in Oregon, and the wildfire smoke had rolled into the eastern side of Oregon and Washington the day that I was going to leave, and, and it was just so accurate. There was no way I was going to, you know, subject myself or my dogs to that. So I just bailed on the, on the sage grouse hunt, and it was a short one because Oregon season was really short. So I... I was teleworking too because it was you know COVID issues. So with that smoke and being locked in the house, I went upstairs for lunch one one day, or I think that's how the deal went. But anyhow, I noticed there was a bunch of birds flying, and it was it was really unique. And so I, I would endure it for about 30 minutes at a time, and uh, sneak out behind the barn, and those were circling in, and I would I would get four or five 
and run back in the house and, you know, either go back to work or hang out for until the wow. afternoon and, and come back out for another 30 minutes. And I mean, it was just, it was utter chaos. Like the bird, there were so many dove and they were all just hanging around and you would shoot one or two and they would all circle around and come back in. You would shoot one or two, you know, and, and of course there was plenty of missing going on because I shoot about 20% on doves, <laughs> but it was, man, it was just, you know, it's something like it, it spurred me to actually look into um, what, what science is out there on smoke effects on migratory birds and whatnot. And so I, you know, I led to uh, some of that in that, the article that you guys mm -hmm. published and, but really it was, it was super interesting. And, and this year is a whole different ball game. Like I've, I haven't gotten a bird uh, really on the homestead yet. And there, there's so few. And I, I, we had like 35 degrees this morning and I went out and I was like, finally they're going to start flying. And I didn't see a bird at all today. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Man, the doves pulled the whole 180, but that wildfire thing was, that was a real deal. Huh. Because we're, we're dealing with the smoke. I mean, last year they said it was worse here in Colorado than this year, but it's still, like, it's pretty smoky. I wonder what effect. And then I was talking with uh, with Emily tonight, uh, and she's been, like, four or five times over out. They live in Oklahoma, and um, she's only she's only shot, like, four or five birds. So kind of a, a slow season that I see people getting them, but I don't see people going crazy with them. Mm -mm. Yeah. I'm picking up one or two a trip. Hmm. I wonder. I'm not familiar with the migratory patterns of dove, so um, I wonder the effects of, like, the wildfires on them last year, being they were so widespread. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I know I, I've been keeping track of the annual U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service population mm -hmm. trend papers. Last year... Unbelievably, 2020 had uh, 400 million birds approximately coming into the season, uh, and so that was one of the highest uh, overall annual population estimates I've read in, in a while. And uh, the harvest was great too, and there were so many more actual hunter days uh, with 2020. And I assume some of that had to do with you know COVID. And I was about to say more people yeah, afield. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I know the western population is estimated to be in decline, but I'm really curious now, you know, seeing what I'm seeing this year, what the annual report's going to look like next year on how many hmm. birds were harvested in the western U.S. And, and, you know, it's always interesting to check the trends. Yeah, yeah. And it's true. And, and then to kind of do a hot wash and see, like, hey, how did that, how may that affected my season and, and how may it affect next year, too? to give any estimates or predictions. But, um, yeah, awesome. And then, um, I mean, I, I love dove hunting because it's one of those things that's very straightforward. Like, growing up as a kid, that was one of the first things we did. It was the first hunting season to open. Uh, it was generally, like, still while football was going on. So, like, we'd go to football practice, wrap up football practice, and then, like, usually we were out in somebody's pasture, like, hunting dove. But, um, and it, you know, usually comprises, like, sitting on the back of the tailgate on one of the crop pastures, like, just, just waiting. So, yeah. um. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. And then, of course, everybody, uh, the things to do with Dove, uh, were not as expensive as they are today, which, I don't know, maybe that has led to my aversion to poppers, but, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corey was sure to mention that on this list of things to talk about today, so we'll we'll address that when it comes. Um, but um, where typically 
are each of you dove hunting? Like, what's the environment looking like? What's a typical dove hunt sort of uh, looking like for you? And I'll, I'll let you take the lead there, Ara. So where we go, we go near these um, orchards, and there's just a variety of, in this one span of area, it's, I mean, there's everything from pomegranates to uh, uh, grapefruits to almonds, and they're they're just all around there. And it's about, we usually go, it's about like an hour and a half from our house, so we can just go for the night and come back. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really kind of like in these orchards where there's these kind of these tree paths that they have, and we kind of hide into the trees. And I remember the first few times I went dove hunting, and I was like, I always know, like, there's a, there's a shit ton of people out there. Everybody's like, you're standing 20 yards from each other. It's like everyone's just going to get peppered and shot. <laughs> That's kind of like what it's like. So I was like, yep. I'm not going out unless I'm wearing, you know, orange and everybody can see me. And then I remember, like, it was like the third time I was out there, this guy was like, they can, the dove can see you. And I was like, what do you mean? Now, like the dove can see you because you're standing there with a bunch of orange on. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to get shot. He's like, well, go where there's nobody else. And then you have to, you have to wear camo, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to like get into the tree. And I was like, okay. And then, I mean, ever since then, my success rate has substantially gone up. <laughs> and now like when I, when I take people and I'm like, hey, look, you're, you're standing there clear as day. They can see you. That's why you you know they're coming in and they're they're flying over. They're like here they come. They're like these things are. It's like Top Gun out there. It's like evasive maneuvers. They're like they'll they'll bank left and right, and they they see you coming or they you they're coming in and they can see you from so far. You don't even have a shot. So now we're we're in there. We kind of like tuck into the trees, and when they fly over, we kind of stand in this pattern where we could we're like across from each other, but like thirty to forty to sixty yards. And then we can kind of see over the other one's head so we can call in the shots. And, like, as long as you know where your other friends are, it's all good. Just don't follow through down low. Um, And that's kind of like our – we coach everybody that's never been with us. It's like we will be close to each other. Just, look, if it's coming down, there would be another bird. Just don't follow through all the way down because they will yeah. – it's almost like they're they're smart enough to know. They're like, look at these idiots down here. Let's just make them shoot each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. But, I mean, it, that's, that's – I know a lot of people that go around to a bunch of other areas which are more populated, like – Around here, it's I mean in the LA area, there's there is a big group of of dove hunters that want to get out because it's like the itching. It's the first time you can shoot guns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really at like anything, they're like we're gonna go. So like all the areas which are awesome are pretty heavily populated. So it's it's just um, we've been out to the Sultan Sea before, which is like it's like a three hour trek into like the desert, and there are a lot of dove. But, I mean, we went once. We all limited out in, like, the first, I want to say, hour of sunrise. But it was, like, I needed to wear safety glasses and, like, a sombrero because you're just getting peppered the entire time. Wow. So, yeah, it, it's. It, I was like, this was fun and all, but, like, the sun came up. It was 115, and I was like, we got to go. We're not, go- we're not coming back here. <laughs> it was it was pretty gnarly. You gotta judge that point if the juice is worth the squeeze. 
You know? Exactly. Personally, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'd love to see you out there hunting in a sombrero. Just, just not blaze orange. I wonder. If, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit up First Light and see if they'll make me a camo sombrero. There's gotta be a camo sombrero. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. <laughs> uh, Brad, how about you? Where's, what's your typical dove hunt? Well, so I, I have two, and, and one at the house here. Is uh, I'm surrounded by wheat, and I've got a postage stamp of, of mature trees and black locusts, and some of them are dead and bony, and so the doves have great perches right along the edge of, of wheat fields. And so I have a couple of spots here on the property that I can just sneak in under the trees or you know sit in the weeds or something, and and doves move in and out pretty regular. So I can even pinpoint like the trees that they like to perch before they they swoop in to feed and. And whatnot. So on the on the home front, it's pretty simple. You know, just use the trees and, and the cover to to get close to how they're going to move into the food source. Nice. Uh, another spot that I go, that uh, it, I think I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a small farm that's in a, a, a deep narrow river canyon, and it's it's half of the half of this field is either wheat or canola. It's only about 20 acres, mm-hmm. is um, surrounded by creeks or rivers and and tree lines, and then the upland side of it is. Um, basically just short bunch grass like Hungarian partridge country and so it's it's really interesting how the doves interact in there and there's a power line that runs along it parallels one of the tree lines on it so that place I like to get back in under the trees near that power line because the doves will come and they'll fly along the power line and they'll perch on and then they'll swoop in and so it, it it kind of creates a natural kind of a flyway along that field so I like to sit in there, but I, I find out here that the doves fly far better in the morning than they do in the evening. So I usually don't do a lot of evening hunts unless mm-hmm. I'm here at the house or something like that. But I'm tempted to try one tomorrow because the weather's been so good. I might run out there tomorrow and, and see what it's looking like. Oh, nice. You'll have to report back to us on how that went. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Colin, what about you? Uh, you know, I haven't gone dove hunting up here. Um I see them flying around all the time, but I haven't gone out there. There isn't a whole lot of, like, field opportunities. Or we don't have a lot of grain around here. It's mostly cattle. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to get, like, the canola fields or the um, the millet fields and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Doves, if I was out hunting for something else and it was still dove season and they came by, then I would surely take a shot. But, yeah. And collared dove are all year round here, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, they're invasive here too. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yep. We uh, so I, I haven't been out here. So uh, Colorado has some great access um, plans with with a lot of the farmers around here, where you can go on, you can hunt. Either it's designated uh, by the signage, and they post it. They have a whole like atlas. Uh, it's like a ac- public access atlas. Uh, but they work with the farmers, and, and you can go out and as long as they're not actively farming, like in the equipment sitting on the field, you can go out and hunt either, you know, what's posted if it's big game only or big game, small game or upland. Uh, so a lot of the fields just east of Denver uh, are open to at the minimum upland game. And so the, the dove, I was out there four weeks ago, uh, driving around looking for antelope uh, and dove and there are dove all over. So uh, I'm not sure what they're growing out there. It seemed like a mixture of stuff. Some of it was cut, some of it was not. But um, should be should be pretty interesting to still get out there. And I think there's still a couple weeks 
left in the season, maybe. It may go until November. I'll have to double-check. But uh, I, I plan on taking my daughter out just because I think that's a fun hunt to just for her to go along with and just kind of enjoy. Um, and if she gets tired, I don't feel bad about, like, turning around and coming home immediately. So um, growing up, we would hunt, like I said earlier, we hunted a lot of evenings, which generally – Doves are kind of predictability in their patterns, like moving, either moving from their roost to food or roost to water or water to roost in the evening, kind of that same pattern. So that was generally where we would try to sit up as near water or, or their roost, depending on the time of day. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Like dove hunting's just always been a fun thought for me. Like I've never been like, ah, oh, you know, we may have not shot many birds, but I always had a really good time because it's very like casual and yeah, just fun. So, uh, and I always feel at the end of dove hunting how much I need to go shoot clay trap just to like brush up on my shooting. Every time. No way. Every There's time. no comparison in the two, man. You can shoot all the clays you want. <laughs> So that reminds me, what what do you go out with when you're thinking about shot-to-kill ratio? What do you walk out in the field with when you're looking at ammunition? How many boxes of shells? And what size? Oh, when I, <laughs> man. When I, when I go out, I, like, I got to have, we got to have three to four boxes per person. So, and okay. that's just kind of what we have on hand. Um, and it's just a general rule. Usually, we'll we'll go through like two one to two boxes a person but um and that's that's kind of in general it it really depends on who's shooting and who's with us but we will when we go out we ship out everybody's got to have a minimum at least like three just to just like either at the car or accessible let's put it that way yeah um you know because we're all we're not we're not usually far from our car so we only hoof it back and Reload, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I would say for me, if if I go through a half a box, it's been a good day. Oh wow! I see, yeah, it's. I don't remember. I think the last time I actually shot a full box of shells on a dove hunt was in Appalachia. Like I don't. Wow. Even well, so even when the the hunting is good here, I I still don't see that many birds. Wow. You know, it, it really cracks me up. I hear Ara mentioned limit out on doves, and for me, it's like limiting out is when I've shot twenty five shells. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my that's your MO limit. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So, the, but I mean, the, I don't, I don't know what you guys hunt, hunt with for shotgun. I, I, I just I stick to a side by side for almost everything. But I've got an old um, Ithaca Model thirty seven pump twelve gauge that's a real dynamite dove gun too. Nice. No, I I actually I I I had a Remington 870 forever, and then a bunch of the guys I was I was hunting with everybody had semis, and I was like I like I couldn't get enough rounds off, so I finally it's like three years back I got a Beretta the A400, and that thing is like a Cadillac. It's it shoots amazing, and then I mean once you have a semi, dove hunting then becomes a little bit more fun. Because <laughs> when you're, yeah, when you're pumping, or you get a side-by-side over, over under, you have two shots. But when you can at least throw three of them, yeah. I mean, these things are just freaking crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's more I mean, fun when you're, when you're getting stuff, you know? Like it's, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, you see them flying by, and our, our, 
our shot window isn't very large. So, like, we're sending them off. You know what I mean? It's just like you see them coming, you're like, bah, bah, bah. and they'll like they're flying in. They're always it's, it's like it's like watching the Blue Angels out there. They're, they're coming in in twos and threes. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I just gotta. I use a. Uh, I have a. Uh, I've had it forever. I think it's actually like one of the first guns I ever bought. But I have a Maverick. It's a Maverick by Mossberg. It's like equivalent to like I think the Mossberg 55, which is the pump. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I've had it. For, yeah. Forever since I was probably eighteen. And I just uh, yes, I bought I bought my A seventy when I was eighteen. <laughs> yeah, I just upgraded my uh, shotgun repertoire. I guess you could call it to so my local uh, gun store down here. He posted that he had a uh, was a Remington Spartan four fifty three, which is a Russian made shotgun by like by, I think it's Baikal Baikal Arms. And it's a Russian-made shotgun that they just Remington just takes and stamps their name on it. But it's a uh, 12-gauge wow. semi-auto. It's all camoed out. Uh, fits two and three-quarter up to three and a half-inch shells. Uh, and when I was out goose hunting, yeah. man, that thing was a dream. Like you were saying, Arda, it's like driving a Cadillac yeah. compared to my Mossberg it 500. Once you put those, once you get in there, man, it's it's crazy. Once you get a, those high end guns, yeah. you're like, whoa, what was I missing out on? This and, is insane. And it wasn't that expensive either. You're like, it was a pretty good deal that I got it for. I think it was right about like a little bit below the retail nice. price and everything. Never doesn't wasn't really that heavily used. And my uh, local Amazing. Coast Guard Exchange had a whole bunch of boxes of uh, three and a half inch BB. So it was like everything. I was going to ask you if you got the three and a half inch. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I got mean, uh, big guns. When you come out here, I have some three and a half inch turkey load that you can have because I bought them thinking I could put three and a half in mine, and I, I couldn't. Okay. But I got them. Wow. I got them at the price. The guy was selling them. We were in Central Florida. It was when I was turkey hunting with Craig, and we popped into like this little, yeah. little bitty like hunting store to try to get some like intel on some turkeys. The guy was not helpful, but <laughs> I always, if I'm gonna ask, go and ask questions, I always like buy stuff because I'm like, I, you know, I want to support yeah. the local businesses too, but. You also pay a little bit for your intel. And uh, yeah. so he had um, the boxes were like 12 13 bucks. He's like, yeah, these are priced before the, the ammo went up. So I was like, give me three boxes. Like, whatever, I'll take them. I'll either give them to somebody or, you know, I'll yeah. figure out a way to use them. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah the years when you get here. But, right. so let's change gears a little bit. We've been talking about the actual, like, hunting part of it. And as you guys know, this is the Wild Fishing Game Podcast, so we obviously got to talk about the cooking and eating part of it, which I think is equally important. So, first question, out of the gate, do you pluck or do you breast the doves? Pluck. I got to pluck it. I'm like, I lot, a, lot of, a lot of people that I used to hunt with, they all breasted. They're just like, yeah, what are you going to do with it? For me, I'm the type of person, like, if I killed it, I kind of want every part of it. I want to mm-hmm. enjoy every part of it. Um, I think the, already with breasting it, you're losing. The dove don't have that much meat on them anyways. So mm-hmm. I want to do something and make recipes where I can, like, eat all of it. Um, mm-hmm. I do really enjoy – I'm one of those people that will eat the bones if I can. So, like, with the legs, <laughs> if you crisp them up nice, I'll eat those bones. You know what I mean? Really? It's like quail. If you get them, yeah, I, I will. Like, obviously, with the breastplate, you can't. Um, yeah. I actually, I well, have a recipe Obviously, but the legs are fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. point, We're not just going to so, reset. So here's the thing. we got to dive into this. <laughs> yeah, so, so, 
So like with 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 dove bone, okay, dove they're they're very, the legs are very very thin bones and they're small. So when you cook you cook it, um, those bones are like crunchy and you can actually eat them. Um, I also just to be honest, I eat sunflower seeds. So like and it doesn't bother me. Like I don't have the patience like with the, the shell sunflowers with the shell. Yeah. Okay. But wait, 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 wait. To say to 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 come back to it, a lot of people okay. that I tell to do it, once you know you can do it, you can chew through it. Your your te- your body will break it down. It's not you'll you can chew through the the bones and it's not going to get stuck inside of you. It's just it's like eating chips. When you get to like the other parts of it, I'm just talking about like the legs on the ends. Um depends on also how you cook it, too. I, and I've the last recipe I just did. It's actually it's going to come up next month. Um, I'm, I'm I'm editing the video, so I, I didn't put it all together. But I I did kind of chicken fried dove. But what Ooh. I did was in instead of just ba- uh, double frying it or double battering it, I I like in my mind corn nuts are pretty much the crunchiest thing you can put into your mouth. And I was like, mm-hmm. what if I just grind up corn nuts and use that as the second dredging instead of using panko mm-hmm. and it came out fantastic so Holy flour smokes. blended corn nuts wow dredge it and then on top of it like now i'm I'm crunching through and it's just this crunchy great experience recipe coming soon to harvesting nature what's up <laughs> yeah, i'm excited i want to read this <laughs> so has this has the bone-eating experience carried over into any other birds that you've hunted, or is it strictly for doves? So, so dove and quail, I do it. Uh, okay. Dove and quail, I'll, I'll do it. I had, I had a friend in junior high that his mom used to eat, like, the chicken bone, and I tried mm. that, and I, I just couldn't. Like, it's just, there's, there's too much in there. But I do, like, with any, any bird, I do like the cartilage, so, like, I'm like that person from like the top of the chicken, like I'll eat the cartilage, um, you know, the eagle's beak that's inside the, by the breastplate on the chicken, I'll mm-hmm. eat that cartilage, like I'm, that's me. Um, so that, that crunchy experience comes with, it depends on the bird. So far for me, it's, it's quail and dove that I'll do that, like I'll eat the, the leg bones. Huh. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm very intrigued. I'm going to have to try this Yeah. Now. Yeah. I mean, you look. You don't. I'm not saying like throw the whole bird in your mouth. Right? No. But like, when you, if you <laughs> you tear off that leg, like of a quail or a dove. I mean, it's like a li- this little chicken leg, and then I mean, you can eat it. What what bird what bird is it they eat, uh, people eat holes? Is it uh, the sparrows? Is that what the ones? I, I think the I sparrows think some, are the, the like the, I think the European the, cuisine. They'll eat the whole thing with the head yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, it's like out of an egg, right? Like a partially developed egg. No, no, no. no you're that's thinking balut. Oh, that's okay. balut, balut, which oh, is no, like no. A, a straight partially developed fermented chicken or duck yeah. egg. Yeah, which yeah, that, I did that. That's a whole. That's a whole other conversation yeah. we could talk about. <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did um, that one once. By the way, just once. Just once I did the balut. But the sparrow, they'll eat. I'm pretty sure it's a sparrow. It's like I those small, so. cheap, cheap birds. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, like, they'll um, eat them whole with the head and everything. So I think we're all consensus here about plucking. So growing up, like, we definitely just took the breast out. But I've I've since then, even if I just get a couple, I'm just going to put the effort in and pluck them. 
Um, yeah. They really, I mean, they pluck really easy you yeah. know, as far as game birds are. It's, 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 it's like zero effort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can even, like, crisp the skin on them if you're yep. a good chef. I, I haven't quite mastered that myself, but there are ways to do that, you know, like with a broiler on the grill. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I did it. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll 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 dance around recipes as we're doing this too. Uh, my uh, sous vide Peking dove. Uh, that recipe um, basically is like I sous vide the dove and then just seared them, and then seared them on the grill so they were like nice and crispy. And actually, you know, I look at the pictures now, Ara, and I see exactly yeah. what you're talking about because I see the legs on both the the little doves there, and I was like, mm-hmm. you could totally just crunch that. But yeah, yeah. You it, it's 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 one of those things like unless somebody kind of tells you like <laughs> hey, just eat it, or you're just lazy like me, <laughs> just like I just want this to is, eat the whole. I'm tired. Of it. <laughs> this is like uh, this is like when I learned that people eat the entire kiwi, like yeah. yes. whole. Okay, yeah. Like that blew my mind. Like the very skin and everything. <laughs> yeah, they just bite into yeah. it like an apple. People are savages. And hey, <laughs> yeah. right? it works and it's good. I my buddy in junior high did that. I looked at him like he was an alien. <laughs> I was like, he's like, no, dude, you do it. And I was like, okay. And then from then on, like to this day, yeah. I'll just eat the kiwi, the whole thing. It like actually to, it doesn't zero bitter flavor. It, yeah, it's like it's great. I like to buy kiwis when I know people are going to come over and visit, and then just like purposely like walk over and grab one and just eat it like nonchalantly, <laughs> just to see the reactions. <laughs> People lose their mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, what what did you just do? (laughs) What are you talking about? All right. Well, let's go back to this uh, Peking Dove recipe. So uh, it's it's a play on Peking Duck, obviously, which is a very traditional uh, preparation. And actually, if you listen to our episode on waterfowl and you listen to the facts section, you will learn that Peking duck is the number one way that duck is consumed in the United States. Uh, we did contest that that stat a little bit because I don't think the the USDA takes into account um, the consumption of wild duck in that figure, but I, I would assume that they're probably basing it off of the type of duck that is used for Peking duck, which is very specific. Uh, but uh, I used that recipe as a basis for... Uh, the Peking Dove, which super easy to do. You do it in the in the sous vide, and uh, essentially you're just gonna make a nice little sauce and uh, put your dove in there and let it cook uh, at 140 degrees for like an hour, and it brings it up to temp enough, and then you uh, bring your grill up to heat and cook until your internal temp is like 160. So you get a nice little, yeah. nice little flavor, and you can use the grill to really crisp it up. And I did pickled vegetables and just plain white rice with it, and then um, I used a little bit of the sauce because it's it's cooked well, and uh, just drizzled it on there. Also, man, and it was delicious. I, I was really, really happy. I, you know, I think I think sous vide and then finishing on the grill is probably my favorite way to do game birds. At least a dove, quail, you know the small game birds. It's just, it's just awesome. I, you won't because you don't really have much chance to overcook them, and mm-hmm. that's where everybody right. falls short. Yep, everybody falls. Yep, short. they don't get tough. They don't get dry. Mm-mm. It's just right. And I think yeah. the key is, is when you do the sous vide, though, you have to like 
you can't set it at that 165 or that 160. Like, you have to short it a little bit yep. so that once mm-hmm. you do it on the grill, it'll bring it to that, that temp that you want. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, that's so good. I don't have to make it again. Actually, Colin, did I bring that one in to work? Yeah, yes, you made that with the uh, pickled vegetables. Yep. That was delicious. It's not that I did. Yep. Yeah, it was good. We were there on at work eating Dove just with our hands, like fried chicken yeah. legs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's see. So, all right, we got one of yours. This is from way back in the Harvest of Nature uh, archive, going back to Dove, 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 dove poppers. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was old school. Old Wait. school. So you want to talk a little bit? Yeah, you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about those? You can recollect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, Dove poppers. You you can't really go wrong. I mean, this is this kind of goes against the cooking of the whole thing. <laughs> but I mean, it, it when you serve this as this is the intro to game. When when people don't eat anything game, you give them a Dove popper and you go eat this, and they're like, "This is fantastic." You know what I mean? Um, you give them a good dipping sauce. I did the, the tomato chutney with that. It mm-hmm. pairs really mm-hmm. well. And, look, jalapeno cream cheese bacon, <laughs> you can really kind of put anything in that thing. That's right. And it's yeah. going to be awesome. And and that's a, a lot of the time, I mean, people come over to my house and I cook, I, I cook game for them, and they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And you're like, dude, just eat this. So now a lot of people don't even ask. And this is kind of like, that's a good recipe for people who don't really know, I'll say that. You know what I mean? People that haven't tried it, uh, people that don't know much about Dove, it's easy, simple, great appetizer, cream cheese, jalapeno, of Dove breast right on top, wrap it in bacon, dip it in that tomato chutney, and you got magic in your mouth. <laughs> it's good. And, you know, I, I appreciate, here's one thing, my, my caveat to <laughs> Dove poppers is, I appreciate the creativity, and it's like things to dress them up and go beyond, like the cheese, the dove, and the you know the bacon. Like I don't know. I just <laughs> why why I have such a disdain for them is because I think that there's so much out there that we could do differently to utilize like the whole bird, and you know maybe it's an inward reflection of myself to be like growing up we ate dove poppers and you know uh, pork poppers and all kinds yeah. of stuff, but. At the end of the day, now that I've grown in my culinary abilities, like, I want to do different, and I, I don't know. I'm not going to hate yeah. on people for eating dove poppers, but I want people to do more with them, to, like, to explore. But you know what? If dove poppers make you happy, just eat dove poppers. <laughs> the, the dove popper is like the foot in the door. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like somebody's like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, I'll do it. You know what? It's better. Like, I've been dove hunting with people, and they're like, oh, we don't want the birds. I'm like, why are you out here then? And then, like, yeah. they just give me the birds. I'm like, I'll take those. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, at least go make a popper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's you know easy I mean? enough. It's, it's like... You have food. It's your you're hunting for food here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on the other on the other side of the popper scale, but still utilizing the same thing, I'll bring this up is uh Ryan, Emily and myself back last year we did the infamous three ingredient dove Wellington. And that was like to me, I think that is the, the future future trump of the dove popper because you're literally taking like puff pastries, 
and you're wrapping it around a like mustard coated dove breast and cooking it on either the smoker or the oven to make this like little mini Wellington. Boom. And That's a dove possibility, nice. Yeah, right? <laughs> the possibilities of that are endless because you could put spinach inside, you could add cheese, you could do whatever, but it's like this little hot pocket of dove meat. And uh yes. that I think there's I don't know many people that are going to turn that down. Like here yeah. first, invest now. Yeah, right. (laughs) Coming to the frozen food section near you. (laughs) Coming to Costco near you. (laughs) I mean, that's a perfect sample to have out on a Sunday, right? Right? For parties, for whatever, football games. That's it. You could actually do that, though, if you had, like, a a large enough pigeon operation. Yeah, Yeah. right? Definitely. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if anybody's going to eat pigeon at Costco. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> hey, this one was called the parking lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. Look, all you got to do, you just got to switch the O and the E, and it just looks fancier. And then That's people it. are like, oh, yeah, it's it's French pigeon. It's okay. You just yeah. tell them, it's not pigeon, it's pigeon. You got to rebrand it a little bit, you know? Something, yeah. Yeah. Find, yeah. A, find a more pleasing name for it instead of just pigeon. So the, uh, the, the pigeon is the uh, Chilean sea bass of the upland game world. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> got to change the narrative on it. Nice. <laughs> All right, well, let's, um, I don't know, what do, you, what do you guys have favorites? What's your favorite way to prepare dove? We've talked a couple recipes. Ours, uh, well, you mentioned a popper, but I don't know if that's your exact favorite. No, 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 not even, that's not even close to my favorite. Honestly, I, like, every time I get dove, I try and, and then not just me, I'm, I think of a new way to make them. Um, and every time, I mean, sometimes they're not as good as others. Last year, I um, I skewered them up kind of like kebab style and seasoned them the similar to like how we would do um, like kebabs. And they came out great. I put them on the open flame like on a manga, like through skewers, open coals. Came out great. Probably not the best way. It got a little bit dry too quick. Um, mm. bra- I like it braised over some uh, uh, red cabbage. You know, Ooh. Uh, yeah, that that way always works out. It's a little a little more Eastern European. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean there's so many different ideas that I have. I don't I don't think I can land on just one. Um, did you, you know, did you just, say the, gr- just crispy one? Yeah, go ahead. Did you say ground in the cabbage? No, or no, no braised, braised, braised okay. in in red cabbage. Um, okay. This last one that I did was phenomenal, and I made a, uh, a, a ranch, like a homemade ranch dipping sauce with the, mm. like the chicken, basically chicken fried dove almost, I want to call it, or corn nut fried dove, and they came out pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, I, I don't, I, but that's me, I, I always pick a new thing to do. I don't think I have a favorite. How about you, Brad? What do, what do you lean towards? You know, I would I would say the, the sous vide and, and grill sear. Ooh, yeah. But I've done a few others that were good. Like once upon a time, I actually made dove barbecue. Oh. That was a, a deal where there was enough of us. We got enough birds over you know a couple of weeks that we did this massive pile of barbecue, and it was actually really really good. 
It was. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had like um, a grilled uh, Canada Goose breast that's mm-hmm. got just enough of that liver flavor, mm-hmm. but you've also gotten you know the other other sweetnesses, whatever you're you're actually putting on. It, it was kind of like that. You know, you had that liver flavor, and you you had kind of the the smoothness. It almost uh, we did the 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 breast where it was almost like a pate like um, nice. softness to it, and then oh. you know just dredged in barbecue, and it was actually phenomenal. I haven't done it since. I don't really remember exactly how it happened. That was back in college. Uh, but that actually turned out really well. And then uh, uh, my brother was up to visit over the summer, and I did, in the oven, I did a braised dove and quail with uh, with a red wine sauce. And Ooh. that turned out pretty well. I overcooked them a little bit, but even, even having them a, l- a little bit dry, they were really, really phenomenal that way as well. Hmm. That does sound good. Nice. Colin, have you ventured much into the the culinary world with with Dove? Uh, aside from what you've cooked and I've tried, not really. Um, again, I, I haven't really gone out for Dove that much. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think the only two times I've gone have been with you when we were in Florida. Um, but you know, I really like the one that we made, like the evening after we shot them, and we just made mm-hmm. it on the camp skillet and just like put a little bit of seasoning and. Uh, kind of pan fried them or pan heat it wasn't really a fry but just uh put them on a skillet and cook them to yeah. like a medium just, rare like, skewed them up yeah like pans here yeah and it was yeah i think it was uh, yeah didn't we even do them we did it in the jet boil too didn't we yeah we had like a pan over the jet boil and yeah the, on the jet boil quick, yeah easy. i remember that and yeah it was delicious i mean it was it was all the flavor there a little bit of seasoning and everything and yeah it was fantastic yeah, because that was Zoe's first time, my daughter's first yeah. time at having the dove when we were there. Oh, yeah, that was a fun trip. Yeah. Um, that's a good memory. I, I'm looking here at, at one of the recipes on the list, and this one was a recently that uh, Daniel Kentworthy uh, submitted and we yeah. published of his dove and cream sauce. Yeah. Which is kind of like, like a one-skillet one skillet wonder, but... I, I was looking through the steps on the preparation here, and one thing that, like, stands out to me a lot is he does the spatchcock on the doves, which I think is, like, a phenomenal way because it cuts down on the cooking time, but it also, like, kind of gives a more even cook so you don't have to worry about drying it out. So I think that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I did that on the on the chicken fry. Uh, nice. Same concept. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see this recipe. Very, <laughs> very much am. But... Uh, Daniel does a good job. He's got like a nice little sauce too. So I think that's pretty Yeah, cool. no no, it, it looks, looks great. great. It looks it looks great. You really did a good job on this one. Um I'm excited to try that too. Man, I just I love good dove recipes. So, um Yeah, I guess with, with that I I think we've we've covered a lot. Oh, I will say let's talk quickly um have you guys ever had any of the the awful uh, or the awful? Sorry, depending on how you plant from Dove. No, I, I actually have not. So I have not got some tiny hearts in there. <laughs> yeah, here's here's a story for you. Um, so roll back to like nine, ten year old Justin with his Red Rider BB gun and in Oklahoma, and I'm out there with my BB gun and uh, up on the power line, I see a dove. And I decide to shoot it with my BB gun, and lo and behold, my aim is true, and the dove falls, and I grab it and go run into my grandpa, and I'm like, look, 
look at this dove. And he's like, well, you know what you got to do now, son? And I was like, what? He's like, well, we've got to pluck it and you got to eat it. And I was like, well, okay. What? And uh, so, he, you know, we start cleaning the dove. And first thing he does is he pops out the dove heart. And he's like, you want this? And I'm like, uh, no. And then he just pops it in his mouth. <laughs> Eats it right there on wow. the spot. And it's like, yeah. Um, I, I never got the opportunity to talk more with him about it. But, um... It's like always a memory that stands in my mind. And later on, we went. My grandmother like made the. She didn't make dub poppers, but she like battered them and fried them like you know like chicken fingers or something like that. But uh, nice. that memory always sticks with me. And since then, uh, I always think about the hearts, but I've never because they're so small. I've never thought about them. But then, as I've been researching the recipe for the class that I'm teaching tomorrow. Uh, kind of like a, I think it's yakitori style, like the Japanese. It's based kind of off a, a chicken heart recipe, uh, what I'm doing. But I think if you had a mess of dove hearts, you could probably prepare it in the same exact way, on a skewer with some nice tangy sauce, and it would probably be yeah. equally as edible. You just would need a lot of them. So, I don't know. Just a thought about dove that hearts. good. I mean, you would just need a whole mess of them. <laughs> yeah. You just need a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like that's definitely something that people aren't going to be holding on to. If you're out with a group of friends dove hunting, like, you can be like, hey, man, I'll take all your dove hearts. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's something to think about. But um, I couldn't think of anything else. Even probably all the other organs would be super small on a dove, so the heart may be the only thing worth saving. But... Uh, just a thought. I'm I'm trying to mix in more of the offal, uh as we move through uh, all our various hunting seasons here this yeah. year. Yeah. So it's uh, some of the best. It is some yeah. of the best. It's good good food for thought too. Because I'm curious. So if people out there, if you have tried it, uh, let me know. Uh, send us a note. What's cooking harvestnature dot com, and uh, we, we want to know the story. Maybe we'll pick your brain a little more. But with that, I think we're we're running out of time here, so we'll do one last uh, one last round to do uh, any misfires, alibis, or last notes. So uh, I'll actually go in reverse order this time, and I'll send it over to Brad. Brad, you got a last thought for us? Uh, yeah, some of the stuff we didn't uh, get a chance to cover uh, as far as the hunting experience, you know, like decoying for doves and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, that's a, a super effective tactic, and you don't have to be a master at it. Like, when I started out decoying doves, it was like, well, you just go stick them out here, right? And mm -hmm. actually, yeah, it works. You know, if you set up a decoy spread right, it works even better. But it's just a, a whole other level of, of uh, I guess, excitement and, and complexity to the dove hunt that's, that's pretty easy to get and it's effective. And uh, so I imagine if if the listeners are, have come along this far, they're already interested in dove hunting. But, if, you know, if, if, if it's somebody new and you're thinking about giving it a try, uh, yep. don't be shy about throwing out some decoys. You know, I started with, like, four, and now I've got patterns to cut a bunch more wood decoys. And I don't know how many, uh, you know, mojos I've got. And it's just a whole lot of fun. So, wait, you know, so you, have some, you have some wood decoys. So it, as of right now, I have wood decoys that are sketched on wood to be cut out. Oh, okay, um, okay. Oh, nice. There's a, there's a guy in Georgia. I don't know if you all have followed Missing Sucks on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Jordan gets does this annual wood my, wood decoy migration, and so I got in on that this year, and he shipped me a bunch of decoys that I'm using. I'm going to ship them out to North Carolina next week. Oh, uh, that's so anyhow, cool. 
Yeah, it's kind of like to to keep awareness of the tradition of hand carved decoys and whatnot. Yeah. So now I was like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some of these two to throw into the mix for fun. Um, but anyhow, yeah, the, the the whole decoy spread thing is a whole lot of fun, and anybody can try it. And you know, doves are such a, a versatile hunt. Like you can use your retrievers to go out and pick up your birds and whatnot. So yeah, just a plug for for hunting doves in September to kick off the seasons. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I did want to talk about them. Um, so I, I noticed uh, Wade and Rachel over at Elevated Wild. Uh, I think one of them have been working. I've been walk, watching their progress on social media. Of their, they've been hand carving some of their dove decoys to use this year, and I was kind of waiting to see if the, their success or not. But I, I didn't know that there was uh, that there was a little group doing or not. I won't say little. A group doing the dove decoy migration. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Such a neat concept. But, uh, all right, Colin, I'll roll over to you. Last thought. Uh, I have two. One's a thought, one's a question. Um, mm. First of all, Brad has the best upland hunting photos on Instagram. So if you don't follow uh, <laughs> Appreciate Brad, those yeah. uplands, go give him a follow because yes. his photography out in uh, Washington, in the upland of Washington, is pretty fantastic. Uh and then, seeing as all three of you are very proficient game bird cooks, how should I cook this pheasant that I have in my freezer? Ooh. Mm. So, I've got a recipe that I uh, I submitted through Corey that's going to get published this fall. And it's, um, I think it's something like... I, I can't even remember what I titled it now, but basically the premise is mushrooms, cream sauce, red wine, oh, and okay. it's freaking phenomenal. All right. Holy smokes. That sounds pretty good. the best pheasant I've ever had in my life, so I'll be happy to, to send that over if you're interested. I'm a big fan of mushrooms, and it is mushroom season here uh, down in Oregon. Yep. So that keep an eye out. sounds incredible. Yeah. That sounds yeah. incredible. All right. Ooh, that does sound good. Cool. I think that answers that. Um, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> no, what, what do you got, Justin? I, I don't know. I was trying to come up with something. Uh, I haven't actually <laughs> cooked pheasant uh, too 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 often. I think <laughs> I'm going to go with my own go-to. Pheasant schnitzel, Colin, because I know you like schnitzel. <laughs> yeah, I do like schnitzel, yeah. That's right. All right. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. I did. You know what? I did a pheasant recipe uh, for BHA. I can't remember what it is, though. Um, I don't know. Ari, do you have one? Do you have a suggestion? I'll look this up real quick. You know what? Um, uh, right off the top of my head, no. But, like, the first thing that I would think of to do it is, like, open it up and flatten it out, kind of make a roulade out of it. Um, right. And that's just full-blown. But that might be a little bit more detailed in, of a recipe. So you would open it up kind of like you, you fillet it open and then kind of hammer it down so it's more like a schnitzel and then stuff it with um, peppers and maybe mm, okay. peppers and, and basil and, and like a sautéed veg and then roll it up and then truss it and then sear that bad boy. And, but that, yeah. it would be a, um, it's a little bit more of a detailed recipe, but I like mean, I'm really into bread. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, I'm into Brad's Brad's pheasant with the with the mushrooms and the, the wine, and I mean you can't go wrong with something like that. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes highlighting the natural flavors of things and just mm -hmm. letting a few ingredients do the work is is always best. All right. 
I found mine. All right. Uh, the recipe I did for BHA, and I did it back uh, in March of this year. So I started working on a little project with them uh, for the Armed Forces Initiative, where I was doing, like, different historical dates or service birthdays and trying to adapt a recipe to, like, be wild game but also represent whatever historic day or service birthday is going on. And so this one I did uh, roasted pheasant with peanut sauce. And this this is a play on... Uh, Back in Vietnam, they had a, uh, it was called the Charlie Ration Cookbook. And um, the Charlie Ration Cookbook was sold by the Tabasco Company and was a way to take different components of the Charlie Rations, which were later replaced by the MRE, and create, like, some sort of edible meal. And so you could buy, I think it was, like, a couple bucks, and they would send it, you know, to, to whatever soldier you wanted to. But, uh... Some of the recipes in there were like foxhole dinner for two or ceasefire casserole, but this one uh, was chicken with peanut butter sauce, and it stood out. And I was like, that, first off, that's really interesting. Uh, two, I think we could sub the chicken for, for pheasant pretty easily, and uh, so that was it. You just use a couple cups of chunked or shredded cooked pheasant. So you could you could grill it, you could braise it, you could do whatever you want to do with it, and then uh, you essentially make this like peanut butter sauce, which is like peanut butter, soy sauce, honey, sriracha, Tabasco, teriyaki, and then you mix that, kind of coat it in there, uh, reheat the pheasant mixed in with the sauce, so it kind of like binds to it, and then serve it over rice, and it's like nice, phenomenal. It's really good. I, like I really that. enjoyed uh, that. Yeah, I remember when you did that series for them. So. Yeah, it's a yeah. to check out, too. I like it. Hopefully, in the next, so. I don't know, month or so, I'll have a couple more to you know, try out all three of your recipes. You should yeah. try to uh, do a little, like, dry age. I know there's, there, we could Ooh. we could go down a long road of, like, yeah, aging yeah. birds. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we could go down that road, but, uh, and, you know, maybe we should next time. Uh, do a, We could do a whole episode on that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, think about that, too, about aging it. Uh, a little bit. Uh, that's a, a very common thing to do. But uh, let's see. All right, I'll give you last thought. Um, you know, if you haven't gone dove hunting before, I would uh, encourage you to go and try it. It's not like any other bird hunting, I can say. It is, is like you said, gray feathered mini missiles. It's insane. And the way they fly, it's kind of unexplainable. I mean, you can go out for quail and chucker and pheasant and be like, yeah, I'm a, you'd be like, I'm a great shot. And you go out for dove, and when you see, like, <laughs> you shoot and they will dodge your bullet, you know, they're, they're, you're like, ah, I just need a different pattern. Let me change my choke. No, let me change a you. I mean, they're just crazy. Shotgun and it's a work. fun experience. <laughs> yeah, this shotgun. <laughs> is this thing even shooting? I can feel it, but I don't really know. I don't know what to do. You, it's it's an experience, and even when you don't get a lot of birds, it's still a lot of fun. So I encourage everyone to go try it at least once. It's super fun. Yeah, I'm um, really glad that you mentioned uh, birds dodging shot because I swear I've been racking my brain for years on just how in the world a bird that I swear should be hitting the ground is just did a just did a wing dip and flew away. It's like how is that possible? Maybe it's like the same concept of like uh, you know when you swat a fly with a fly swatter, there's no air to like push the fly away. Yeah. But yeah. when you but when you swat it with your hand, the force 
from your it's hand it. moves the fly. I don't know. It's got it's crazy science, <laughs> <laughs> or just crazy skills. Yeah, I say or skill. There's a reason yeah. that bird's alive. That's right. Yeah. It's probably that uh, bird that was banned in 1968. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's probably lives so long. <laughs> you see the few rounds. See the out there. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for hopping on tonight. Uh, definitely, we talked a lot. Uh, I love the Dove game or the Dove Sound game. So congrats to, to Ara for for being our Dove calling champion. We'll get and, that um, from somebody. <laughs> and uh, school Dove facts and everything else. We kind of talked through some techniques, some tips, some experiences we've had in the world of hunting the uh, the gray feathered mini missiles. But um, you know, triumph or defeat, it's all the same. We're out for a good time, and I'll I'll echo what Ara said. And, and if you're looking to get out, if you've never been hunting before, Dove's a great way to do it. It, it doesn't cost much. Shotguns are relatively inexpensive. I think shotgun ammo is still relatively inexpensive compared to other ammos. So, uh, you know, just uh, get out and have fun. Be safe and, uh, you know, learn to pluck birds and avoid dove poppers. But uh, <laughs> with that, uh, all the show notes will be online, and uh, head over to social media. Make sure you're following Harvest and Nature on whatever platforms you're on. And uh, as always, uh, punch that five-star button. Tell us what we're doing wrong, or, you know, tell us what we're doing right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.